Boy, we're glad you're here. Uh, important weekend this weekend. Uh, at the end of the service, there's a transition that takes place with a new church that we're helping to plant that begins next week in Castle Rock. It's people that have been near and dear to our church, the DeMays, uh, the Smiths, the Painters. Uh, it's a whole team of people that are going to um, take the church in Castle Rock and turn it into something that... Uh, um, is deep in the heart of God, and you'll hear a little bit about that uh, as we come to the end. But we want to release them and bless them, and we've reserved the last part of the service for that. Before we get to that, I've got a friend here this weekend that's familiar to many of you here at Jubilee. Um, about 30 years ago, in my first uh, real full-time position, the first one where I was actually paid uh, to do ministry, and I got the title pastor, uh, it was in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, in Lakeland, I met uh, two friends that uh, are lifelong friends. Sometimes, you know, when I talked about community, you never know if you're willing to take that step, the kind of relationships God will give you for a lifetime. And I met a young man that uh, had it in his heart that he wanted to go into ministry. He was a senior in uh, the Bible college that we were at at the time where our church was at. And he and I became fast friends and then uh, ministry friends. Um, watched him... Um, <laughs> Watched him as one of the most talented pastors, teachers, um, administrators do things that are incredible. He met, and I got to do the wedding uh, for he and his wife, Krista. Their family's here this weekend. They were missionaries in Ireland for a decade, and our church, uh, we were the number one supporters of, uh, of these guys. And then about six years ago, he came back to the U.S. He's from Florida. And in Jacksonville, Florida, he started with nine people. And in not, not even quite six years, they now have a building, 40,000 square feet, and they use every square inch of it with literally um, thousands of people that attend their church. Uh, he's that kind of a guy, and they're that kind of couple. He's taught here several times. Here's the deal. The last time I had him here, we planted the Castle Rock campus that weekend without knowing it. Without planning this, these things go on the books a year in advance. We invited him back, and it's the very weekend now that Castle Rock goes and starts. It's just, you can say coincidence. I would say to you, everything God does is planned in phenomenal uh, ways. The message is just, it's a word for us, not just anybody for us, and it was a word for me. And I don't want to take any more of his time, so would you do me a favor, put your hands together and welcome my friend John Bailey to our platform. Hello, Jubilee. What a great church. We absolutely love it here. My daughter is ready to move to Colorado. <laughs> 
So uh, our church is set in a really urban area, like 90,000 cars a day go down our road, and we have absolutely no grass. And uh, I look back at your little kid's area, and I lusted in my heart. Uh, so no, but this is, uh, this is incredible. Um, I want to just, before I do anything, can I just, enter, just have Krista and Noah and Tori just stand there, and I just want to, they're a very important part of our life. And so... We're uh, really grateful to be here. I want to just share just a little, just a short part of my testimony, and then we want to get into the word today. Um, I was raised in a home that was very broken. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was bouncing bars. Uh, I played college football. Uh, I told everybody last night I was a wide receiver. That is a joke. I was a defensive lineman. I was made to stop people, right? So, um, but anyways... Um, and by the way, I just want to thank all of you Denver Bronco fans for sending Jacksonville your best defensive players. It didn't go over like I thought it would. So, uh, no, we're, uh, you got, we, we, we're expecting the best um, for, for you and us. Um, but anyways, um, I, was, um, I actually wound up giving my life to Christ in the Tampa, um, uh, Tampa City uh, Jail. And uh, it was the best day in my life, and it was the, the worst day and the best day all at once. And um, anyways, through uh, over a bit of time, um, I met John and Chris in Bible, while I was going through Bible college. And I can't tell you how much your pastors mean to me. Um, the first marriage that I saw up close that was a healthy marriage was John and Chris. And uh, for a short time, I actually lived at their home and uh, saw them up close. And I can't tell you... If you're here and maybe you're new, these are the best two people that you'll ever meet in your life. And um, some of my beginning times was with John. Now, I know he's mature. Last night we were sitting and talking, and he's this mature pastor. Uh, when he was a youth pastor, he wasn't quite as mature. So I won't go into a lot of detail, but he went through this time uh, with stink bombs. And he set stink bombs off like in several different places. We're in Disney World. He shut down a ride. I think they're still looking for him. So I'm not giving your youth pastor any ideas. So you don't need to do anything like that. But, uh, um, but we had some really good times. I went on my first missions trip uh, with John. And then eventually, you know, we became uh, missionaries for, uh, you know, nearly a decade. And uh, I remember we got in a small nine-passenger plane and went to the Bahamas and so when we were loading the plane, they go, hey, we need the, you know, the largest person up front, which that was not John. That was me, uh, of course. So I became the co-pilot. So while we're flying over, uh, the, the pilot says, hey, would you like to fly the airplane? I was like, sure. He said, and so he gives me some instructions. And I go, John, I'm flying the airplane. And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I actually think somebody clicked a picture of it. When we were coming up to the runway, I turned around and I said, hey, John, he's actually going to let me land the airplane. And, and John was like, no, you know how he is. And uh, it, I was just joking, but it was a, a great reaction. But um, uh, anyways, I want to thank you uh, just for the investment. You know, John poured so much into my life. At this point, there's about 80 people, uh, both in the United States and around the world, that are in full-time ministry that I've had the privilege to invest my life in. But that is a result of somebody who has poured so much into my own life. When I was, uh, when I was at that stage of coming out of uh, Bible college, I had the option to take a job that was really lucrative or work with John for $100 a week as an intern. And I chose working with John for $100 a week in, in a bed 
and can I just tell you this? It was the best decision I ever made. And um, he has been, he's had a great impact in my life, and that has in turn gone on. Just to let you know, you guys sent a couple teams to us. You supported us as missionaries. Uh, when we went to Ireland, initially, there was about 25 people in the church. When we left, it was about 600 people, one of the largest born-again churches in the nation. And uh, God is, at this point in Ireland, there's just a little revival going on. I'm going back in uh, just a few months to do a pastor's conference there, and God is doing amazing things and you have been a very huge part of that. So thank you, Jubilee Fellowship Church. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, let's get into the word. Father God, I pray in this place, God, for a supernatural touch from heaven. God, all I can do is speak words, but God, you can change lives. And I pray today, God, that you would change hearts and lives, transform us into the image of your son. And Lord, I pray that you would help me, God, in my weaknesses. I pray that your strength, God, would come forth in a powerful way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, the title of the message, message is Restoration. I believe we have a, a, a film a clip that's coming up here. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, uh, restoration is what we're talking about. Uh, in the picture, and actually I'm going to focus today on the restoration of joy, uh, but pictured here is a Ferrari GTO 250. Uh, when it was originally sold back in 1963, it sold for $18,000. In today's money, it's, it's, uh, it, that's about $125,000. So um, it was sold last year, this particular model, for $38 million. The, uh, the model that was sold for the most was $70 million. And I think the, how many of you have WeatherTech uh, floor mats? So the owner was the one that paid $70 million for a GTO 250. Well, you go, well, what does, what does that have to do with the message? Today, I want to talk to you about restoration. Our understanding in English of restoration is to return something to its original value. Today, I want to talk to you about the true Greek meaning of the word, which is not to just restore it to its original value, but to have a greater value than what it's ever had. And today, God wants to restore joy. He wants to restore marriages. He wants to restore hope. Not just like it used to be. God doesn't want your marriage to be like it used to be because if you're going through troubles, obviously, it just wasn't that great, right? <laughs> so he wants to do greater things than what you've ever imagined or you could ever think. And when it comes to the area of joy or peace or the love of God, God wants to restore and do great things in your life. I think we have another image of a vehicle that we're going to show. Now, this is... <laughs> A GTO Ferrari 250 before they began to work on it. They spent thousands of hours working and uh, sanding and taking rust out and molding and painting and repainting to come up with the next version. And folks, this is what Jesus does in our life. He does that look like somebody's maybe life before Christ? It certainly does mine. Before I knew Jesus, that's a whole lot like my life. And Jesus took me and he blasted off the rust and he painted and he finished and he refinished. And today, that's the work that the Lord wants to do. If I would uh, maybe uh, just share a um, quote from you. John Knox was a reformer in Scotland. And he used to say that all merit is of Christ 
and all power is of the Holy Spirit. Um, to, to just put in what, what that is saying is this, is that first of all, Jesus paid it all. You couldn't pay for your sins. None of us could work or do enough to earn salvation. It's something that's given to us. But now Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand exactly what that means. Um, if you've ever gone car shopping and you look for a car, the cheaper models will have like the standard equipment that comes with it. And it's like, a steering wheel and a horn and uh, four wheels, right? Uh, an emergency brake. And it, but it, the, the more expensive the car is, the standard equipment is leather seats, communication package. And here's, here's the point, is that God takes us in our brokenness. And when we come to Christ, he gives us forgiveness. And it's a free gift. But then he renews us in the Holy Spirit. That's what born again is. However you term that, it is Jesus renewing us in the Holy Spirit. And then we're not expecting this. When I came to Christ, I just wanted to get my life right. I was in a bad place and I needed a good place. I didn't understand the package that came along with it. You, you hear what I'm saying today? The package that came along with it was the joy and the peace and the love of God. It's just a part of the deal. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn it. Listen, joy is both a fruit of the Spirit, but it's also a gift that comes from God. And he plants it as a seed at the time of salvation. And as we grow and we walk with God, the joy that we have begins to enhance and grow, grow greater. And listen, your Jubilee Fellowship. So I can imagine that there's some people who know what joy is. I don't know why, but the Lord brought me to this passage a few weeks ago to bring this message because I believe that there's some of you that are here today and you need your joy restored. And I want to talk about that. We want to go into some passages here in just a moment. But uh, the word for joy is uh, kara. It is, uh, like, like I said, a fruit and a gift. It's not happiness. Now, happiness is the result of joy, but it is not joy. Joy is a characteristic of Christ, and it was given to you in full when you came to know Christ. So if you're here today and you're a believer, I want you to know you have joy. If for some reason you go, I feel like I lost it, you didn't really lose it. It feels like we lost it, but we forfeited it at some place, at some juncture, and today God wants to renew that, and as we walk in trust him and believe him and walk with him, that joy will increase in our life. And so uh, today, as we uh, join around, you have your uh, papers there, we have five keys to know and cultivating uh, joy. In Luke 12, 15, it says this, life is not measured by how much you own. Uh, the first thing that I want you to know, the first key that I want you to know is that joy is not the result of accumulation. We are, joy does not come by how much you possess. Uh, somebody said that to me when I was a new Christian, and they said, money will not make you happy. I remember my response. I would sure like to try. <laughs> Give me $10 million, and we'll see, but I would rather be unhappy with $10 million. You know. But listen, the truth of it is that, that money and accumulation and power and status and education does not give us joy. And uh, to point to that, I want to talk to you about King David. He says in Psalm 51, 12, New Living Translation, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now, King David had wealth, incredible wealth. He had incredible power and status, things that people in this world 
look for, search for, desire. He had all of these things. Uh, and yet he came to a place that he lost his joy. Now, the reason he lost his joy was because he fell into sin. And today I want to tell you, one of the great hindrances uh, to joy is when you begin to walk down a path of sin that's unrepented of, and when your heart becomes hard, it steals your joy. This is what happens to David. You know the story. He looks at Bathsheba. He looks once. Then he looks twice. Then he starts to stare. You're all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about, right? So then he begins to stare, and then he wants to have an innocent little lunch. And listen, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to somebody that's here today. Watch, watch what you look at, and be careful what you stare at. And when you start to say, to David to Bathsheba, this is an innocent little luncheon, but you know in his heart, it wasn't an innocent little luncheon. And that became adultery, and adultery became a pregnancy, and then a pregnancy became murder, and then murder became lies. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he, he begins to take a step of, of drifting to a place, and what's the result of it is he loses the joy of his salvation, and God had to bring him to this place to soften his heart. Now listen, he, had, he actually married Bathsheba. He's going on with his life. Everything looks good. Everything looks like a perfect little world, but in his heart, Heart. He had lost the joy of his salvation. So when the prophet comes and calls him out, it wasn't to destroy King David. It wasn't to expose him, to harm him. It was the mercy of God that leads us to repentance. And I want to say to you today, maybe you're in a place and you've lost your joy and you've lost it because of sin. Uh, you, maybe you have accumulation and wealth. But listen, sin will be something that steals the joy that God wants to put into your life. And here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Come to him, and if you repent, which means that you turn your heart and your mind towards Christ, he will renew your joy, and he will give you an abundance, not just like it used to be. It will be greater than what it's ever been, because that is the way that our God works. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Secondly, I want to say to you, the second point there is joy is spiritual. It's not emotional. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the scripture tells us to be always be joyful. Now, why would the Bible tell us to always be joyful if we didn't have the capacity to always be joyful, right? So it's a commandment because joy is something that is with us all the time. It doesn't come and go. Uh, read with me in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And it says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. I want to tell you, the prayer is a complete joy, a complete peace, a restored work that is growing because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, God wants to do a work of restoration. He wants to bring fresh joy and hope and peace in this house today. How many want to receive that today? You love Jesus today, and uh, we really want to see you walk in this. And so um, I heard a TV preacher not too long ago, and he was talking about victory. And he said, if you want to have full victory, you're, you know, God wants to make all your relationships right. He, he doesn't want you to have any, uh, you know, was used in, in a way of need or lack or uh, brokenness or pain or anxiety. But I want to say to you today, it's, that sounds great. How many think that sounds great? It's just not true. 
The point is, yes, I believe that God is a miracle-working God. I have watched and seen him do incredible miracles. But the truth of it is, sometimes in life, we go through difficulty. And God gives us joy in the midst of the difficulty. Can you consider today Jesus, who is our great example? You say, well, all of his relationships were great. No, they weren't. The Bible says that his family, his entire family rejected him. In the scriptures, he says he's got 12 friends. 11 of them abandon him in his moment of need, and one of them betrays him. Doesn't sound like a lot of great relationships there, right? But, what, but God gave him a joy in the midst of it. You say, well, Jesus never had anxiety. Look at, the, look at Gethsemane. He did have anxiety. Jesus never went through pain. My goodness, he went through excruciating pain. And I want to say to somebody that's here today that maybe you're going through chronic pain, um, I believe that the Lord is here not just to heal you, but as you go through the process of what you're walking through, God wants to give you a supernatural joy despite uh, the uh, circumstances that you're in. He wants you to overcome in a great way. Some people say, well, Jesus uh, you know, was never a victim. He was a victim. He had false witnesses. The judge that was over his life, Pilate, says, I see no wrong in him. But then he sentenced him to be flogged and then crucified. He was a victim, but he never had the mentality of a victim. Do you hear what I'm saying? God never wants us to take on the mentality of, of a victim. Uh, he was a victim, but he never had that mentality. And listen to this. He never lost his joy. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I want to, I want to say to you today, in the most difficult of times in your life, God wants to give you a supernatural joy and strength and help and hope that goes beyond anything that is natural in your own understanding. Praise the Lord. My third point is this, joy demands an eternal perspective. Hebrews 12, 2 that we just read. But I also want you to return to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25. Now, before we read this passage, Paul is writing this. It's one of the prison epistles. So he's writing it from prison. Uh, he's in a place of difficulty. And I want you to just think for a moment. The life of Paul, he goes through a list, I think, somewhere in Corinthians. And he says, I was shipwrecked twice. I've been uh, beaten with cords uh, I've been stoned one time, stoned and left for dead. Uh, he says, I have troubles on the outside, troubles on the inside. How many know that ministry can have a lot of troubles and difficulties? And thank God, I think you're coming into 20 years of church ministry. And you may go, oh, well, how great and easy. I guarantee you, your pastors go through difficult moments in pastoring and leading a church. It's just not an easy thing to do. And so Paul is in this place, and he's writing to the believers. And I'll go through, I'll paraphrase, I think that the entire scripture will come, uh, come out. But in, in verses, um, in verses uh, 20 through 24, he's saying to the people, he, said, he says, I'm in between two places. He says, there's a part of me that really wants to go and be with the Lord. And he said, that's better for me. I want to walk on streets of gold. He was the man that had great faith. But he said, the other part of me knows that for your benefit, it's good that I stay because I want to help you in your walk with God. And it goes down to verse 25, and he says this, knowing this, that I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of of your faith. And this is what he was saying. He was saying church in Philippi, which is the Philippians is considered the book of joy. He said, I want you to know 
than when I'm in prison and I'm shipwrecked and I go through difficulty and hardship and pressures. It doesn't bring me down. It doesn't overwhelm me. And I want you to see what a man of God who walks through difficulty and maintains the joy of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see what that's like. And church, listen, you have pastors and leaders that have walked through difficult times but look at how joy, the, the joy of the Lord has been with them and sustained them. It is an example to us. Amen? Amen. I, won't, I won't go there, but you can do this later. If you go to Acts chapter 16, it tells about the, uh, the planting of the church in Philippi. It was right after the Macedonia call. Philippi is in Macedonia. And just to maybe um, digress just for a moment, I know that you're here on a weekend and as John said, I was here when you first started the campus in Castle Rock. Some of you in Castle Rock uh, may be watching now. And um, there's a time where you've got two, a church is being plant, planted and two friends that are going, um, I think they said in a, with one heart, but in separate paths. And if you go to chapter 15, you have Paul and Barnabas and they split ways, which really what happened is they multiplied ministry. And here we're on a weekend. I had no idea this was happening until Friday. So this message was planned long before this. And here's what happens. In planning the church in Philippi, they went through great difficulty and hardship. If you read the story, uh, the Holy Spirit leads them directly to go to Philippi. It was very clear that that's where God had for them to be. And the first person that was saved was Lydia. She came to faith. And then a demon-possessed girl. And because the people weren't happy when this demon-possessed girl was set free, they take Paul and Silas, and the Bible says that they stripped them, they beat them with rods, and then they threw them into prison. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were in that place, it would at least go through my mind, God, you were so specific that I was supposed to come to this place, and yet look at the way that I've been treated. God, how can you be in the middle of this? Has ever, anybody ever been in that place? A few honest moments. And they stop, but you never hear them complain. As a matter of fact, in the midnight hour, it says they began to pray. And their prayers turn into worship. And their worship turned into ecstatic worship. And they began to worship God. And the foundations of the prison began to shake. And I will tell you this. When you go through difficulty and you let the joy of God erupt in your heart, listen, heaven begins to shake. Do you hear what I'm saying? God does amazing things when you come to that place of brokenness and you choose in that moment rather than to digress and to be unbelieving. They had an eternal perspective and they're going, yes, I've been embarrassed. Yes, I've been beaten with rot. They are bloodied. You just get this picture of two bloodied men in the middle of a prison and they begin to worship God because they're going, yes, we've gone through difficulty, but God must be doing something amazing in this place even in the middle of my difficulty, they had an eternal perspective. And church, I want to tell you, today you may be going through difficulty. If you can stop for a moment, and rather than getting caught up in the anxiety and the circumstances of the moment, if you'll let the Holy Spirit, he will give you a joy that turns into pure worship, and God will begin to shake and do great things in your life. The result of that day is the jailer was saved, and a church was started in Philippi that Paul would write years later. And he's saying, I want you to watch the way that I walk through difficulty. And I want it to be a great seed that's planted. And that church did a great work. Amen. I want to tell you, I believe 
that that's what's going to happen in Castle Rock, and that's what's going to happen in Lone Tree. And wherever believers begin to believe God and trust him and let the joy of the Holy Spirit begin to erupt in your hearts, God will do amazing things. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. He is good all of the time. My fourth point is this. Circumstances do not determine joy. You know, it's funny. How many of you ever had a flat tire and you're on the side of the road and you get overwhelmed with frustration and you can, you know, you can get so frustrated that you lose your joy? I want to say this to you. No flat tire is going to cause me to lose my joy. You know what? Sometimes we go through trifling things that just seem to steal the joy and the peace and the love of God. I want to tell you a testimony of a woman who is very dear to us. Uh, when I was in Ireland, I worked with people who were relatives of her, hers. We actually have an intern at our church right now who's a direct re uh, relation to Corey Timboom. And uh, just to give you uh, just a little bit of her story, uh, when we were in Ireland, we traveled across most of Europe and we went to the Netherlands. We were doing a missions work there. I took my children to the home of Corey Timboom. Now, some of you that are older, you know more of her story. If you're younger, let me just tell you a little bit about Corey Timboom. Uh, she was raised in a Christian family. Her family loved Jews. And because of that, they would hide Jews in their home from the Nazis. And many of them escaped to freedom. And so they were uncovered. And when they were uncovered, they were accused of being friends of the Jews. Now, I would not want to go to a concentration camp, but if there was anything that I would uh, want to be accused of, it would be a lover of the Jews, amen, <laughs> uh, because we love Israel and we love the Jewish people. And so because of this, her entire family was sent to a concentration camp, and where they went to in this con concentration camp, they were treated brutally. I've had the opportunity to walk through Dachau and uh, other places where people were treated so inhumanely. And Corey Timboon tells the story of her sister that died in front of her eyes, family members that were treated brutally. And she remembered one particular uh, soldier that was incredibly harsh and the way that he treated her and her family. And so a few years later, uh, the Americans came. Thank God for America. They came, and she uh, found her freedom. So they were released from the concentration camp. Now, this tells you what kind of a person she is. The Lord puts on her heart to go to the German people to preach to them forgiveness because they were very distraught. Many of them were overridden with guilt. And so the Lord puts on her heart to go back to the German people that had treated people so brutally and to tell them of the forgiveness and the love of God. Isn't that an incredible testimony? And so she's in Munich, Germany, and she's there uh, preaching and teaching about the forgiveness of God. And she looks into the back of the sanctuary and a man walks in, and he has a, a heavy overcoat. He walks in, and she looks back, and she recognizes him, that this is the man who had treated her family so brutally, had treated her so brutally, and she became very unnerved. She's looking back. She fumbled her way, but she got through the message of God's forgiveness, and this man comes up to her. He doesn't specifically remember her, but he knows the concentration camp she was at, and she, he begins to say to her, I want you to know that I have found forgiveness with God, but I wanted to come to you and ask you for forgiveness. Now, this is the story that she tells. She says, everything inside of my flesh wants to strike out at this person, and yet in this moment, what does she do? She finds the grace and the kindness of God. 
And so when she tells the story, she says that she begins to embrace this soldier who, who had treated her so harshly uh, during the Holocaust and in concentration camps. And she says that she began to do that. The love of God overwhelmed her. And then she says this, and the joy of the Holy Spirit, like I've never experienced, began to overwhelm my heart and my life. And church, I want to say to you today, sometimes we go through things that uh, seem to be overwhelming, but I want to tell you, here's a woman who walked through some of the most horrific things that you can ever imagine, but the mercy and the love of God turned into a joy that was revealed. She has a few quotes, and I want uh, to uh, just uh, give those to you. Uh, First is this, joy is God's echo in our heart. Here's one of her most famous um, quotes in her book, The Hiding Place. She says, joy runs deeper than despair. And then she says this, Jesus did not promise to change all of the circumstances around us, but he promised to give us pure joy to all of those who would learn to trust in him. And today, I don't know what you're walking through, and I don't know your circumstances, but I know this. I know a God who is greater than any circumstance that you face. It could be a marriage that's in trouble. Maybe you're going through anxiety or difficulty or hardship. Thank God for his grace and his mercy today. And he wants to reveal it to you. He wants to do a supernatural work for every individual that's here, not just like it used to be, but he wants to make your joy greater, your peace greater. He wants to do great and mighty things. If you'll just open that heart and trust him, he wants to do something great. Can you believe God to do that today? Amen. And it brings me to my fifth um, point, uh, my fifth um, key and understanding uh, spiritual joy, and it's this. So what is the access points of joy? Um, how many of you ever been to Disney World? Okay. Now, you go to Disney World, and um, everything looks, you know, Haunted House, Pirates of the Caribbean, it all looks so real. And you get up close, though, and when you begin to touch everything that looks so real, what is It's plastic. This is all a bunch of plastic. We're famous for something, right? Uh, God does not want to give you a plastic joy, a plastic peace. He wants to give you something that is genuine. And listen, there's access points to go, go to these genuine pay- places. Another thing that we're uh, famous for in Florida and right where we live is beaches. We have a lot of beaches. And if you go to the beaches, you'll have you know apartments or parking or whatever. And then there's bridges that go to the ocean. They're access points. And today, I believe that in the scripture, there's access points to to discovering the restoration of joy and the peace and love of God. Here's a few of them. is faith. We've already talked about most of them, so this is a little bit of rehash. But faith, to believe God. Listen, you can choose to be anxious uh, over the situations, or you can begin to trust God in faith. But faith is is one of the access points of of experiencing the joy that God wants to do in your life. Uh, A clear conscience. That means if you're in a place of of sin or brokenness or hardship, God wants wants you to have a soft heart. So he wants you to come and to repent and have a clear conscience. It's a pathway to bring you to the incredible joy that the Lord wants to bring you and thanksgiving. Folks, I don't know if you, you know this, but sometimes we can get so busy trying to outdo the guy next to us and become wealthy and be prosperous. And we work our life for prosperity and money and things. But you know, I've been to about 60 to 70 countries around the world. And I will tell you, you are the, we are the most blessed nation on this planet. And if you have a car 
and you drive it, and you have an apartment, no matter how small it is, and it has running water, you're in the top 90% of the world's wealth. Folks, wealth isn't something that you go, oh, well, one day I want to be wealthy. Believe it or not, you are wealthy. If you take Jesus and the life that he had, it says that he had nowhere to lay his head. Uh, He was born in a stable. When he went to pay his taxes, he got it out of a fish's mouth, which would be a great idea. How many people want to go fishing (laughs) next April 1st with me? But we are wealthy. God has blessed us. Now what we need to do is be thankful in the places that we're at rather than spending our life trying to attain something and just experience the love and the presence of God. Go with me and we'll close in the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Praise God. Folks, I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room today. I don't, I don't know why I didn't say this last night, but I feel right now in this place, I don't know whoever may be watching on video, but there's just something in my heart that is striking that there's some people that are here today and you've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. Something at one time you had this fervent love for God and you were excited about everything that God was doing and you can sit in the church named Jubilee. But if you have lost that, listen, the name on the church will not give you joy. It's the presence of God almighty. And if you're at that place, God wants to restore and do amazing things in your life. If you'll just allow him, can you say amen to that? So here in first Peter, now remember, um, Peter would be an apostle who would be crucified upside down. He would watch his friends, Stephen stoned in front of him. He knew what suffering was. And this is the words that just, if you're sitting there, just let this maybe sink in to your heart and to your mind. I'll actually go down to verse five and it says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see. So be truly glad, not plastic, but sincere and genuine. This is, there is wonderful joy ahead. And even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, it is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus is revealed to this world. And church, I want to tell you, uh, Jesus is coming back. And I believe with all of my heart, we're living in the last days and God wants to reveal a supernatural joy in this church in the last days. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, yeah, I could have, would have, should have. I want to be the one that the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because I ran to the end and I ran with the joy and the love and the power of God. And he says in verse eight, you love him, even though you've never seen him. Peter had seen him, but he says, even though you've never seen him, you love him. And though you did not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy, a joy that is greater than mere words. It goes to the depth.
depth of your spirit. And that's what God wants to reveal today is the joy that it goes beyond the expression of what your words can say. It's a characteristic of Christ. It's a seed that's been planted. It's a gift. But as you learn to trust in God, your joy will grow greater and greater and greater. And here's Peter. He's saying, hey, I've been an apostle for how many years? But it's still growing. And I want this joy to grow until the last day that I draw my breath, my last breath. I want to be trusting in God. You know, um, along with playing college football. When I was earlier in, my, in, in high school, uh, I ran track. I had to stop because my coach was like, I don't want you to lose weight. I want you to gain weight. And so uh, that was a terrible bit of advice that he gave to me. <laughs> but, uh, but when I was younger, I actually had three events that I, that I did in um, track. I threw the shot put. Uh, I did the high jump. If you can imagine me going backward <laughs> over a pole, yes, I did competitively, which is a little bit scary. And I know what you're all thinking. You're going, those people in Florida must not jump very high. So, <laughs> and then I ran a 400-yard um, race, 400-meter dash. I don't know if it was a dash or a race, um, but I ran the 400 yards. Now, then it was yards. Now it's meters. And here's what I found. If you have ever done any track people here, maybe a few of you, uh, you start off and you have to have a good pace. You can't sprint the whole way because after so long you just tire out, but you have to keep a really good pace. And then when you come around the last stretch, and um, what you have to do is this. You're already tired, but you have to forget how tired you are, and you have to focus on the finish line because you're tired, your body doesn't want to obey, but you can't quit. Listen, when you're 15 years old, you can't quit because your girl will break up with you, all the guys will laugh at you, so you can't quit. Like, you know, like I'm laying on the ground 50 yards before the finish line. You can't do that. So you have to focus on the finish line, and you go all the way to the finish line. I'm going to give the very last bit of everything that I have, even though I'm in pain, even though this is difficult, you have to have your eyes on the finish line. And today, church, listen, I want you to stop worrying about everything that you're going through. Stop. All the little details will steal your joy and the peace and the love of God that God wants you. Listen, it came with the package. When you came to know Christ, he gave you an abundance of joy and strength and power. And he doesn't want you to live. And this life will, will zap every bit of that out of you if you let it. And this is what Jesus is saying Get your eyes on the finish line. And instead of looking behind you, as the apostle says, you move forward into the things of God and you trust him and you say, let the sin that might give me a clear conscience. Uh, Lord, I pray God, the anxiety, the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but to, but to pray about everything. And that's the work that the Lord wants to do in your life today. Amen. Listen, Jubilee Church, you're, you're at a time in your life and ministry as a church, you're planting. It's so exciting to see, is it three church plants in the last uh, little bit of time that you've sent out? You have another one. Dan DeMay, what an awesome man of God. He, is, he and Kim are two beautiful people, and they're going to do an incredible work. But listen, God is going to do a great work there. And church, he's going to do something. I don't know exactly all the details, but I'm telling you, your pastor has a new energy and life, and God in Lone Tree is going to do some amazing things. But listen, we have to look 
at the eternal perspective of what we're walking through and saying, God, help me in this moment that I'm at. So I want you to do this. We're going to close with this. I want you to bow your heads right now. And right where you're at, I want you to close everything else off. And I don't know what your need is. I don't know exactly how you came here. Today, you may be here today and you're not a believer. I want to say to you, the greatest thing you can do today, not one moment of my life have I ever regretted coming to know Christ. When I found Jesus, I found the most important thing in my life. And if you've never done that, today I want you to come to a place that you learn to trust in the almighty living God. But many of you are here today and you're believers and you know Jesus. But somewhere along the line, you've let things capture your attention And today I want to pray for you that God would give you a supernatural restoration of joy. I want you to come alive in the spirit. I pray in the days ahead that I'll hear great testimonies of what God does as you step into the next period of time in your life individually and as a church family. And I'm believing God to do great things with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you would just say, Pastor, pray for me today. I need God to do a work in my life. And if that's you, will you just lift your hand? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but yes, but just lift your hand today as a sign of faith to the Lord. God, renew something fresh in me. Thank you, Lord. God, you know everything about every person in this place. I'm so limited in my understanding, but God, you're not limited. You're unlimited in your understanding. And God, you know every situation. God, you know sin that needs to be repented of. God, you know anxiousness and anxiety that needs to be let go of. And Lord, I pray today, as only you know how, I pray that you would begin to stir, God, in the heart of everyone that would believe you and trust you. God, what great examples we have today. King David, the Apostle Paul, Jesus, our great example. Corey Tinboom, Lord, and everything that she went through. And God, I pray that that same joy would be expressed in the life of your church and your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give God glory today? Praise God. Praise God.